The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Sometimes we do more than one show per day, or sometimes we do more than five shows per week, I guess is the proper way to put it. It's basically like these go to 11, for those of you that like Spinal Tap jokes. And if you do like Spinal Tap jokes, you're, you're at the right podcast. Uh, happy birthday, America. It's July 4th, and what can be more American then subscribing to our YouTube channel. Go do it. Find it. It's on Twitter. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's on, it's hard to explain. It's like buried within CBS Sports' YouTube channel. So you pretty much have to, um, like go to my Twitter page at Will Brinson or at Pick Six Pod and you can find it there. You might even be able to go to John Breach's Twitter page and find it at John Breach. Of course, you should be following him. Great tweets about cats and, uh, kickers. Plenty of talk about kickers, which speaking of things that are American, we'll be talking about all American kickers on this podcast. Like Ray Finkel? Mm-hmm. Fireworks are going to be flowing, Brenton, because Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> what better way to spend your 4th of July than talking about the top 10 kickers and punters in the NFL? I know you couldn't think of a better way. That's why you decided to host this show on the 4th of July. This was your idea. You said, let's pull Breach off his holiday. We'll have him talk about it on the 4th of July. And America wins on uh, her 244th birthday, I think it is. That is terrible math. Is that good math? I don't know. Is it bad math? <laughs> math? I don't know. How old is America? I should probably know that. How old is Earth? Who knows? <laughs> Who can predict these things? I mean, really, science is out the window in 2020. Um, now I'm going to do quick math. I want to preach out, point out that Breach is right. 244th. That's right. Uh, I was doing, I was, I, I don't, I can't really explain the math I was doing, but it was bad. Um, anyway. Breach, thanks for joining us on this uh, on this American holiday. You skipped apple pie. You skipped hot dogs. You just want to talk kickers. That's how addicted to kickers you are. And, in fact, we're also going to talk punters. Um, how many people do you think, like if you polled 100 random people who are football fans, how many people could name 10 kickers? Uh, you know, it's funny you ask that question. I think that probably – if you polled 100 random people, I think probably 60 or 70 could name 10 kickers. But if we switch that to 10 punters, I think it's I think, like five. Yeah, I think the number goes way down, and I think it's under 20 because uh, most people know their punter. And then there's a couple big-name punters that we'll talk about later on that I think people probably know. But uh, other than I, that, I, I think the, the, the average football fan could probably name four punters. How many How many? Professional NFL writers, like national NFL writers, could name ten punters right now. I, like no, they're dead serious. We called them on the Fourth of July. They're drinking a little bit, and we're like, "All right, man, we're put you on the spot. Name ten punters." I, Should, the, the number's not a hundred percent. There's definitely uh, uh, people who wouldn't be able to name ten punters. Should we call like? In, like literally right now on the? It's not. I mean, we're recording this a little early, but you can pretend it's the Fourth of July. Should we call Pete Prisco and see if he can name ten punters? I, I don't know if Prisco could name. I think he could. Prisco knows 
a lot about the league, so I do think he would probably pull it off. But I think it would take him a second. I'm going to ask Pete right now if you could name 10 punters right now. Brinson is texting this man live. He's not going to respond for by the time he responds. Pete and and uh, former Pick 6 podcast uh, member, Nick Costas, were on a thread. I, mean, I, I like. I think I could name ten punters if you. I mean, I, I've, I think during the season I could easily name ten punters, but in the middle of season four, like in the July, middle of June, can... I just don't know. That, like without, I mean, not without looking at the list. Like I think I would get to ten, but it would be around. I would have to do it in a way where I was like going through a list of teams. So, um, anyway, let's get to the kickers. Kickers, I could easily do. And yeah, uh, you actually ranked all ten of them. What was um, what was the criteria for the ranking breach? Uh, well, here, here's the, how I start off before I do anything. I look at it as if, if all the kickers were free agents, if there was a kicker draft tomorrow, which kicker would be drafted first. And because with kickers, it's really that simple. You want a kicker to be able to do basically three things. You want to be able to kick through the uprights because, uh, if you can't do that, you're bad. You know, you need to be able to make your field goals. You need to be uh strong. You got to have a strong leg, but you don't want, too much strength at you don't want to have that at the expense of your accuracy uh and a good example of that is brett maher uh, of the cowboys who has probably one of the top three strongest legs in the nfl but is nowhere near this top 10 list uh because he can't kick it straight Mm. we saw him hit multiple 60 yard field goals but he can't hit a 40 yard field goal which is a problem i also like longevity if you've been kicking the nfl for a long time it is not easy to keep a kicking job. We have the kicking carousel. All these players being flown in every Tuesday after a kicker misses field goals on Sunday. Uh, kickers get replaced all the time. So if you've been able to keep your job, that means you're probably pretty good. Uh, and then obviously this is the part that doesn't necessarily apply to other positions. And that is the mental aspect of kicking. We have seen so many meltdowns over the years. Uh, in the past 15 years, Mike Vanderjack had a huge playoff miss. Almost never heard from again, just never recovered mentally. Blair Walsh had that huge one, uh, Viking Seahawks back in that playoff game. Oh, God, that one. Yeah, and then he was, boom, just never recovered mentally, wasn't able to kick in the NFL anymore. So there is a huge mental aspect of that. And so you want to see that kickers can handle pressure, and that also helps you get on this list. Okay, I like it. And so it doesn't necessarily matter like stats don't matter to you as much. Like you're, I mean, they do, but they, they do, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like you're not basing it on, it's like we talked to run, we talked running backs with Patrick Walker and it felt like he was leaning heavily on, uh, you know, like the actual production, like you know, Alvin Kamara doesn't have a thousand yard rushing season. So we got left off. I mean, for me, I would put him on regardless of the stats, Like you're not leaning heavily on like 2019 stats as a 2020 predictor. I mean, I am looking at the stats, but here's the thing with kickers is that there's so many nuances that, like, uh, if you kick in a dome and you have better stats than a guy who kicks in Denver or Chicago in these cold weather cities, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a better kicker. Uh, warm weather kickers are at an advantage, uh, which I'll talk about later. So you're facing different conditions. Uh, some kickers who do kick in domes, uh, if you're in the, uh, the AFC South, you might play 12 games in domes out of your 16, so you never really have to deal with the weather. So you, you kind of have to factor those things in also. So when you're picking these kickers, are you taking them out of their element? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, if, uh, if um, said Chris, uh, Chris Boswell, for instance, right? Yeah, Chris he Boswell. kicks for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as everybody knows. 
I didn't just double check that. Um, so Boswell kicks in Pittsburgh. That's a much harder place to kick. Would you then ding him for being in Pittsburgh or are you doing these independent of weather when you're selecting the kicker? No, Boswell. So, and actually Boswell was a name who came up a lot in tweets when our CBS Sports HQ came out because people thought he was ranked too high. Uh, cause he had a horrible 2018 season. Uh, 65% of his field goals. I think he was dead last in the NFL. And everybody's like, why is Boswell on the list? But then he rebounded in 2019, had a huge year. I think he was top four in accuracy. And that does play a part. If Boswell is the seventh most accurate, he's the seventh most accurate kicker in NFL history. But let's say last year he was the eighth most accurate kicker. And you had another guy who was the fifth most accurate kicker. And they, their only difference was one missed field goal. Well, I'm not going to hold that against Boswell because he is kicking. Heinz Field is notoriously one of the most difficult places to kick. So if you're hitting 88% of your field goals in Heinz Field, that to me, that's as good as hitting 90% uh, in a dome because there's gotcha. no guarantee that dome kicker could Maybe hit 95%. 90%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. So you're so you're giving credit for guys who have to kick in difficult conditions. Right. So if your That's numbers are a little bit lower, that it it just depends why they're lower. All right. Uh now that we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, Debo is worried this podcast is going to run long and he's right. He is. <laughs> we're, we're Happy birthday, man. I know. Uh let's get to the list. Checking in. Uh, and the only reason he's on this list is because you wanted to do a kicker podcast. You knew if you included an Eagles kicker, he would, then Debo would seek you out to do a kicker podcast. Uh, and he did. You were right. Jake Elliott, the, uh, was he drafted? Yes. Fifth round of the 2017 NFL draft has been with the Eagles for the last three years. 84% of his kicks made, uh, ever since he stepped in as a 22 year old rookie has made 94% of his extra points. And uh, 9 of 15, only attempted 15 kicks, 5 a year from 50 yards or more, but it has a nice percentage from there, Breach. Uh, why did he check in at number 10 for you? Uh, fun fact about Jake Elliott, he was actually drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. And not only that, but the man who held his draft card and announced the pick was Jim Breach. So, uh, oh, that's I forgot about that. That's right. Jake Elliott. Oh, yeah, that's, why, did he, why did the Bengals not keep him? Uh, because Brandon Bullock, he had a horrible training camp. So obviously it looks dumb now, but he, he struggled badly. And at the time it was the correct decision, even though it looks like a dumb decision now. But with kickers, if your guy's only making 50% in training camp, you know, he's getting cut. Uh, yeah, you can't roll in the season with a, yeah, when you right. don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, but then in his rookie year, like his third game, he had a 61 yard field goal against the Giants and then everybody laughed at the Bengals. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Hey, obviously, Debo, uh, Debo, what, You'll remember this because I, I I remember something. Did somebody get hurt, or did the Eagles have to cut somebody? Uh, Caleb Sturgis, yes, roster that Super Bowl season, and then um, Jake Elliott took over. But Elliott played the whole season, right? Yeah, because it was like Breach said that that week three he came in for that monster field goal against the Giants. Sturgis he buried it. Yeah, buried it. Um, so but, but they thought Sturgis was around because Jake Elliott didn't sign until after the Bengals cut him. So it was really, really late. It was just before the start of the season. So I think they Sturgis played one game. Uh, no, he got hurt. Okay. So okay. Oh, yeah, Sturgis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Caleb Sturgis suffered a quad strain in his plant leg, although Les Bowen reports it's a hip flexor. This is a bleeding green nation. And was going to miss several weeks. Uh, as a result, they tested out kickers, brought in – uh, Elliot, Elliot made that huge field goal against the Giants and has never looked back. And, again, that's why kicker lists are fickle, right, Breach? That is, look, if you're a coach and you bring in your 
kicker, your rookie kicker, second game of his career. So second game he's ever played in the NFL, and he hits a 61-yarder, that's going to give you a long leash. You're not going to get rid of this guy if he does have some rookie struggles, and he did have those a little bit uh, during his rookie season. There was a game where he missed multiple extra points against the 49ers. But you're the coach you're saying, look, this guy hit a 61-yarder. He's making most of his field goals. We're going to keep him. And the one thing I like about Jake Elliott is that he has gotten better each season. And that's what you want to see from a kicker. His field goal percentage has just continues to go up. His extra point percentage has gone up every single season. Uh, and Philadelphia, not an easy environment to kick in. Uh, and in the Super Bowl, he came up huge for the Eagles. He hit multiple field goals. And he is actually one of only three kickers in NFL history to hit multiple field goals of 40 yards or more in the Super Bowl. Only three kickers ever have done that. Jake Elliott, Garrett Hartley, and Jim Breach. And, you know, he actually doesn't get as much usage, I don't think, as a lot of kickers because Doug Peterson's so aggressive about going for going for two and then going for it on fourth down. Like, you look at his numbers, he just, he just didn't attempt a ton of them last year, 22 or 26, uh, but a very nice 85% conversion rate as a kicker. All right, number nine, the man, the myth, the legend, speaking of tough places to kick, Mason Crosby. Yeah, and Crosby is absolutely one of those. We always talk about how uh, frozen tundra of Lambeau Field is such an advantage for the Packers, but like it's not an advantage for the kicker. And this is why this is this is not a job any kicker in the NFL would want. But Mason Crosby has had it since 2007, which is kind of crazy. And he's had a couple years in there where he has struggled. Uh, 2017, he only hit 78.9 percent of his field goals. But when you're kicking in Green Bay as a coach, you understand you can't rip this guy out. You you bring in a, another guy. There's no guarantee he's going to be better, especially kicking in that kind of weather. Uh, so the Packers stuck by him after those struggles in 2017. He had a decent 2018. Then came through last year with the best season of his career. This guy is a like, peak kicker. It's like yeah, yeah. This is 35, 35 years old. He's like I'm going to make 91 percent of my kicks. Why not? So that came out of uh, nowhere. And he, last year we saw him hit uh, game-winning field goals. Lions fans, I'm sure you remember, he hit the, – the Packers played the Lions twice, did not lead at all in either of those games with time on the clock. And Mason Crosby hit the uh, uh, field goals as time expired in two games against the Lions, winning both of those. Uh, so, yeah, based on where he kicks, came up clutch last year, he's number nine. Uh, and for the record, Mason Crosby, 87.8% of his field goals – uh, from 30 to 39 yards over the course of his career. That's a, that's really good. Like he doesn't, he doesn't miss those chip shotters. If you look at even his bad season in 2012, he was two of nine from 50 plus. Um, he had that one weird year. Like you point out 2017, I think people were talking about like maybe cutting him in 2017. People were mad at him. And then, and now he's, he's really established himself as, as one of the better kickers in the league. Number eight, Matt Prater. Yeah, Lions fans felt like Prater should have been a little bit higher, but I think uh, he came in in a good spot. I was talking about two things you want, strength and accuracy. Prater is almost like a perfect combo of that. He's got he's one of the strongest leg kickers in the NFL. He's probably top three strongest legs. He has the NFL record for longest field goal at 64 yards. He did that while he was playing for the Broncos. So we know he does have that super strong leg, and his accuracy – Seems to get a little bit better every single year, uh, but he was did have a slight down year in 2019, only 84% of his field goals, so that is why he is number eight. If he had hit 88 or 89, he probably would have been up a spot or two, but he does play in a dome where it should be a little bit easier to kick theoretically. Um, 
but he did struggle a little bit in 2019. Fun fact, Matt Prater in 2013 led the NFL with 96.2% of his field goals made and kicked 75 extra points, made every single one of them. That was, uh, of course, Peyton Manning had a big old year, 114 kickoffs. And then, you know, you know, it's weird, Breach. Then, like, he fell off a cliff the next year with Denver. Uh, or did he get, maybe he got cut? I don't remember what, exactly what happened in 2013, but you almost wonder, like, did his leg get worn out? Yeah, kicking, uh, trying to keep up with that Peyton Manning offense. Yeah, 114 kickoffs is a ton and 75 extra points. That's a lot of wear and tear on the leg. All right. At number seven, Dan, the man, Bailey. Dan, the man, Bailey. You know, what's funny is that the Cowboys, you remember this was a total surprise when Dan Bailey got cut by the Cowboys uh, before yeah. the 2018 season. He, at the time, four or five years into his career, he was the most accurate kicker in NFL history. He injured his groin in 2017, didn't really come back, bounce back very strong. Uh, so the Cowboys kept him in 2017. He only hit 75% of his field goals, had a rough training camp. Got cut in favor of Brett Maher, and then uh, 75% of his field goals in 2018 with the Vikings, and it looked like this was another guy whose career was going to be over because he wasn't going to be able to bounce back from his injuries, but he did. Last year, he was one of the best kickers in the NFL. He hit 93.1% of his field goals, and so based on what he did his first four years where he was one of the top three kickers in the NFL combined with what he did last year, uh, that is how Dan Bailey got to number seven. I, I didn't anticipate asking this question, but where is Greg Zerline? <laughs> this, this current Cowboys kicker, did he, Greg the Leg Zerline, did he fall off the list uh, after a tremendous run? He had uh, eight years with the Rams, made 82% of his field goals, but just 72.7 last year. Are you out on Greg the Leg? That is uh, – well, I'm glad you asked that, for instance, because Greg Zerline is not on this list. And a reason for that, and it's the same reason that Steven Goskowski is not on this list, and I'm glad you asked this after the Dan Bailey ranking because it has to do with injuries. I do not trust any kicker who is coming off an injury. We saw a few times uh, last year, Ryan Suckup with the Titans got injured last offseason. Titans ended up having the worst kicking situation in the NFL. Uh, Suckup, career horrible year, was never able to bounce back from his injury. Adam Vinatieri dealing with an injury in the offseason came in, had a horrible year last year. Dan Bailey dealing with the injury in 2017 had two horrible years. And so there's no guarantee that Zerline, he was dealing with a groin injury in 2018. I'm not sure what happened during that offseason, but in 2019, he just wasn't good. And, you know, obviously the Rams let him walk in free agency, so it feels like they may not think he's a top-10 kick anymore. And Goskowski is dealing with a hip injury, which is pretty serious for kickers. And he's absolutely, if he's 100% healthy, he's a top-five kicker. But I don't know if he's healthy. He's still in the free agent market. So he is also not on this list because of that. All right, number six, we mentioned it before, Chris, the Boz, Boswell. I'm just making up dumb nicknames for these guys at this point. Uh, plays in Pittsburgh, kicks in Pittsburgh, Boswell. Uh, not quite top five, but it, it sort of Boswell has been um, – oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he, I mean, he's only 28. He's got one Pro Bowl, but he's been – at one point in time, I think it was 2018, where Steelers fans did not like Chris Boswell and like, wanted him sliced and diced and cut on out of there. Everybody wanted him out. He only hit 50% of his field goals from 40 to 49 yards in 2018. Uh, you want to be hitting probably 90% from 40 to 49. He was hitting 50. He only hit 65% of his field goals in 2018. It was just a horrible, horrible season. Mike Tomlin was basically being asked every week, are you going to cut this guy? Or are you going to get rid of him? Uh, but Tomlin stuck by him, 
and it paid off. Boswell is one of the best kickers in the NFL last year, kicking at Heinz Field, hit 93.5% of his field goals, which is an insanely high number. Anything over 90% is awesome. And uh, let me say this, he was one of three kickers. There were only three kickers in the NFL who were perfect on extra points, you know, because you're not making every extra point uh, ever since it's been moved back. Boswell went 28 of 28, and he's been in the NFL for five years. In three of his five years, he's hit 90% more or more of his field goals. So if he had not had that disastrous 2018 season, if he had hit, say, uh, 85% of his field goals that year, he would probably be third or fourth on this list. Uh, but that disastrous year was such a disaster that we couldn't put him in the top five. Uh, number five, a man who disgusts me, Will Lutz, because he's one of those freaks who only has one L in his name. Like, what are we doing? That's worse than Wills with an S. What are we doing? I, I, one L Will? Get the hell out of here, pal. I'm going to start calling you Wills, man. Wills Brinson. I do know a Will. So I feel bad. He's a child, so I feel bad like, is his name William, and they shorten it to Wills? I don't know. Maybe it's Williams. Although my name, my middle name is Williams, so maybe my parents should have called me Wills. Uh, Will Lutz, four years in New Orleans, has made eighty-seven and a half percent of his field goals. He was undrafted, coming out of Georgia State. Has made ninety-seven uh, percent of his extra points, which is not, maybe it's not surprising because he's in the dome. But he, man, he has been as rock solid for the Saints ever since he landed in New Orleans. Yeah, Lutz has been fantastic during his time with the Saints, and I think that uh, he was another one. I got a lot of feedback on Twitter. Well, why isn't Lutz in the top three? He needs to be in the top three. <laughs> Are people really doing that? That people take their kickers <laughs> ranking ser- a lot more seriously than I thought. But you know, I was I was ready to argue back, so that is okay. Lutz is the only top five kicker that kicks in a dome. I think kicking a dome uh, does give you a slight advantage because you don't have to worry about the weather. So, uh, you know, he, his percentages should be a little bit higher. Um, but he, yeah, he had a great 2019 season. He doesn't really miss big kicks. And I, I, I don't think that he should necessarily be in the top three. I think he could eventually be in the top three. I think fifth is a good spot for him right now. And, uh, you know, when you're the Saints, you need a clutch kicker because, you know, the offense moves the ball downfield all the time. Don't always score a touchdown. You got to know you can get points on the board, and Will Lutz does that for New Orleans. All right, uh, top four, Robbie. What, what do you say? Uh, I should be doing these in Chris Berman voices. Like, Robbie, good as gold, gold, or Robbie, good as gold, or whatever he would say. Uh, Robbie Gold, number four. Remember, remember when he was really good for the Chicago Bears and they let him leave? I can't believe that. It was Sean, we need to have a podcast with Sean about that. He's probably still sad about. I know. We like letting Sean leave. Uh, nobody would do that. Don't get oh, crazy, wait. Brinson. Is he? If this is Saturday show, nope. Okay. <laughs> Mailbag button. Mailbag. Mailbag. But also maybe check Twitter if you're hearing this. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, so Robbie Gold actually had a bad year in 2019. Now, and and I got grilled on this, but again, I am always ready to defend my rankings with stats. Robbie Gold did have a bad year. So let me say this. The Bears dumped him after the 2015 season. 2016 with Chicago, he hits 100% of his field goals. 2017, 95.1% of his field goals, second the NFL. 2018, 97.1% of his field goals. That led the NFL. This is what the Bears let go. Now, last year, he hit 74.2% of his field goals. He ranked in the bottom five of the NFL. 
But I am cutting him some slack, and here is why. Number one, the 49ers had a rookie punter, which means they had a rookie holder. Mitch Wisnowski is from Australia. These Australian guys, they didn't grow up uh, catching a football and put it down to holding. It, it takes some adjustment. Holder is actually a pretty difficult job. I don't think most people understand that. And when you're a kicker, you have to trust that your long snapper is going to do his job and your holder is going to do his job before you can even kick the ball. So two things have to happen before you can do your job. And so I think there is not a full amount of trust there yet. And then the other part is that the 49ers went through four different long snappers in 2019. Kyle Nelson, their normal starter, got suspended. I don't know how a long snapper gets suspended. So while he was out, uh, they had three guys. And with those three long snappers, Robbie Gold went 12 of 19 through the first six weeks of the season. That is a horrible number. So that is seven missed kicks. Then when Kyle Nelson came back, Gold finished the season 17 of 18, uh, and he also hit two big field goals in the Super Bowl, three field goals in the NFC title game, uh, including a 54-yarder. Uh, so once he had his normal snapper back, he was back to his normal self. Mm. Also, uh, you know, he kicked 85% of his field goals that were – he made 85% of his field goals that were inside 50 yards, so that's good. Uh, you might have said that. I, t- I tuned out because the uh, HBO announced that Curb Your Enthusiasm is coming back for another season. Oh, that's exciting. Love the season. Very exciting. Uh, number three, Josh Lambeau. You know what? I don't know. I, this this is probably the thing that blew my mind the most about these rankings. So we had our CBS Sports HQ Twitter account tweet out our rankings. And you know who I got the most blowback from? Josh Lambeau fans. I didn't know Josh Lambeau. I didn't know that Jacksonville had fans, let alone like fans of their kicker. Maybe it's because he's the only good player on the roster. But the Jags fans were out in full force ripping me for not having Lambeau at number two, at least. They said he was too low. I'm like, he's number three. And some of them were trying to make the argument that he was better than Justin Tucker, uh, which is just, I look. That's just bizarre. If you gave any NFL team a choice to pick one kicker to kick for them next year, they would all take Justin Tucker. So that that is just hands down. He can't be, and I'm, I'm spoiling that Justin Tucker's number one. But so Josh Lambeau had a fantastic year last season. He led the NFL in field goal percentage, 97.1%, uh, which was better than Tucker. He only missed one extra point. But here is why Josh Lambeau is not number one. Uh, number, look, he plays in better weather. He plays in warm weather Jacksonville. Tucker plays on the East Coast in Baltimore where it gets cold, it gets windy, it gets bad. Warm weather is easier to kick in. Somebody tried to tweet at me and tell me, oh, well, it's all humid and, and, and Josh Lambeau kicks in way worse weather. It is easier to kick in warm weather. I think the confusion comes because you see these long field goals in Denver when it's cold, but that's because the air is thin and the ball travels further because they're at a mile high of elevation. Other than that, you take Denver out, cold weather is almost impossible to kick in. Warm weather is better because the air is less dense, so the ball floats further, and the football is more elastic, so it bounces off your foot more. You want to kick in warm weather. The other reason Lambeau is not ahead of Tucker or at number one is because he has less pressure on him. Look, the Ravens were 14-2 to last year. Every single one of Tucker's field goals is big. When you're losing a game 21-3 to and you have to come out and kick a field goal, there's no pressure. So Lambeau should be making his kicks. And then also, uh, Lambeau in the past three years has three misses under 46 yards, which is kind of that line of demarcation where kickers need to be good from under 46 and teams will accept a little bit worse over 46. And Tucker only has one miss on his own. He had a couple blocked 
uh, but only one that he actually missed. So, Josh Lambeau, you are not number one, but you are number three, which uh, I-, I thought would appease Jaguars fans, but it did not. All right, since we know Justin Tucker is number one, let's uh, wrap up the kicker talk by pointing out that at number two, Harrison Butker. And number yeah, one, Justin Harris, Tucker. Harrison, uh, Harrison Butker is the only kicker I've ever interviewed. I interviewed him at the uh, at the Combine. How'd that go? It's really good. He was going to Georgia Tech. Has a really, uh, he, I think he graduated with like a 3.9. He's very smart in engineering and uh, a did good he see, dude. Did he see right through the fact that you didn't know what you were talking about when it came to kicking? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Drafted by, uh, you know, his Twitter handle is fantastic, at buttkicker7. Drafted by the Panthers in the seventh round. The Panthers actually cut him. He's scooped up by uh, the Chiefs. It might be because Cairo Santos got hurt. Is that is that right? Is that possible? Or Caleb Sturgis got hurt? Well, I want to say real quick, the Panthers were getting ripped for letting Butker go, but Graham Gano was a really – he's been battling injuries now, so it looks dumb. But at the time – Yeah, but was, Butker's was, on, a, on a rookie deal. How much was Graham Gano making at the time? They franchise tagged him. Yeah, that's like that, that was like four million dollars then. It, the, the difference is so small. If you're talking about three and a half million, where I have a proven kicker, this isn't like a. Quarterback I, I understand salary. what the Panthers' decision. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. But like at some point, if you think you got a good kid who can kick like he can, you got to go well, make a move. And the Panthers did think that because they put him on the practice squad. Yeah, they, they tried, right. to and keep then he just got scooped up. And who got hurt for the Chiefs? Somebody got hurt for the Chiefs. Let's find that, out. Yeah, that is uh, going out of my 2017. I've already blocked out all the kicking stats from 2017 to move on to 2000. It was Cairo Santos. Poor Cairo. He's- Cairo Santos got hurt, I think, and injury in 2017. He did because he was uh, three for three on the year, and you wouldn't get rid of a kicker Yeah, who's three for three. He, he suffered a groin injury, and they had to go get Butker, and then they've rolled with Butker ever since because Butker came in. And in 2017, made 90.5% of his field goals, uh, 38 of 42 in 13 games for the Chiefs. and made every single extra point. He was clutch for that team and has been awesome ever since. Yeah, and real quick, Cairo Santos, that groin injury. If there's two things you don't want to see a kicker injure, it is his groin because there's so much uh, involved with your movement when you have a plant foot. It, it, you just don't want to have your groin injured. You don't want to have your hip injured. And if you're dealing with those two injuries, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to make it back and be the kicker you were before. But, yeah, Brinson Butker came up huge. We saw him uh, in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. He had two huge games and against the Vikings. He scored almost all their points, uh, and that was when Patrick Mahomes was out. If they don't win that game, all of a sudden they're playing the wild card round. The Patriots have that bye. So, you know, Butker came up huge a couple times for this team, and he also hit a 77-yard field goal during the offseason, not during a game. Uh, anything you want to add on your man's Justin Tucker? Are we good? I will just say that he is hands down. Is he the greatest kicker of all time? I, I was on uh, JLC, Jason Lock and Ford's radio show, and I think from a talent standpoint, he is the best kicker in NFL history. Now, I'm not sure he'll get to the Hall of Fame. I think if he does what? this for three or – well, listen, hear me out. If he does this for three or four more years, I do think he will get to the Hall of Fame, uh, but – but. You know, you just never know. You look, there's only two true kickers in the Hall of Fame. Juan Senarud, Morton Anderson. Morton Anderson had to play almost forever. He was the NFL's all-time wing scorer. Now Vinatieri's all-time wing scorer. I think Vinatieri will get in, but Vinatieri has these iconic kicks. Everybody knows the Super Bowl game winners. Uh, the snow kick against the Raiders is probably the greatest field goal in NFL history because it's such a low percentage kick. 
And so Justin Tucker doesn't have those iconic kicks that Hall of Fame voters kind of associate with putting someone in. I don't know that they're going to put someone in on talent alone, but right now he's the most accurate kicker in NFL history. He's probably the greatest talent. We just need the Ravens need to get some, uh, some of those iconic kicks in there for him. You know what? Uh, sadly, he's going to hurt the Ravens or hurt Justin Tucker's Hall of Fame case. John Harbaugh now going for it all the time on fourth down. Justin Tucker attempted just 29 field goals last season. He made 28, of course, but that is a uh, career low for him. And just one field goal of 50-plus yards because instead of trotting Tucker out for these long field goals, they're going for it on fourth and short. Yeah, so. and, and to Brinson's point, when he attempted 29 field goals last year, that was so far. That was the first time in five years that he had attempted under 30. Uh, yeah. First time ever. Yeah. First time ever. Yeah. First time ever. So in, in 2018, he attempted 39. Yeah. So Harbaugh's, uh, gung ho attitude is definitely going to hurt Tucker. Tucker's had two years where he led the NFL in field goal attempts in 2013 and 2015. But again, as Brent, you mentioned, because Harbaugh's saying, hey, we're going for it on fourth down, he's not getting those attempts anymore. So, And he, and he had a career high and led the NFL, career highs in both extra points attempted and extra points made, and led the NFL in both those categories because the Ravens are so prolific at scoring and finishing off drives. But Lower field goal percentage is probably going to hurt his Hall of Fame case. I bet he gets in eventually. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk the top 10 punters in the NFL. So it wasn't enough to have Breach do top 10 kickers. They said, why not? Let's be crazy. Let's let's toss out top 10 punters. We're ranking all the positions. We need content. And here we are on Saturday, Saturday, July 4th, ranking top 10 kickers. We're not going to go through them individually, Breach, because, frankly, we have to go Brit- get drunk. Punters are people too. It is July 4th. That is true. We're sorry, punters. We should, that is why you don't record podcasts on July 4th because you have a finite window to work with. On the, uh, the, the bottom five, Kevin Huber, Michael Dixon. Michael Dixon lower than I thought. Cameron Johnson, Logan Cook, and Brian Anger, the man famously drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the third round of the 2012 NFL draft, a California kicker. He was taken just a couple of spots ahead of this uh, quarterback you may have heard of, Russell Wilson. And uh, now he kicks for the Houston – he punts for the Houston Texans. Tell me about that bottom five there. Yeah, I would say uh, the biggest backlash I got here was that Sam Cook from the Ravens did not make the list. I think you could probably switch him in there with Huber at number 10. But Ravens fans, the reason Sam Cook didn't make it is because three of the past four years, his net yardage has been under 40. That is not a great number for an NFL punter. And look, the Ravens also giving up a ton of punt return yards. They've been one of the five worst teams in, uh, I think, three of the past four years, which is surprising because John Harbaugh is a special teams coach. He's got this loaded field goal unit. I'm surprised that he has let uh, the punt team just just surrender all these punt return yards. Um, but other than that, you mentioned Dixon. Dixon had a phenomenal rookie year, was a pro bowler. He lost three yards off his punting average and just kind of fell back to earth. He kind of had that adrenaline his rookie year. He was still a very good punter, just definitely not as good as he was during his rookie year in 2018. Uh, and his Australian buddy, Cameron Johnson. We have two Australians on this list, Brinson. Australian punters are huge in college now. Yeah. It's like then, an Australian pipeline, Australian punters for like all these like big schools have gone with Australian punters. Um, okay. We, so we should have gotten Outback Steakhouse to, uh, to sponsor the the bottom five. You know, we haven't – I don't eat enough Outback. 
Yeah, maybe the uh, blooming onion, man. You don't eat the blooming onion. Well, I'm saying I don't eat it enough. Like I think it's pretty that's good. what I'm saying. You um, can get a whole day's worth of calories in one blooming onion. So if you're like really hungry, you hit the blooming onion, dude. So in less than ideal news, my computer is completely frozen up on me, uh, and is not is just not moving. So why don't you tell me about your top five? All right, let's go with the top five here. Uh, number five, Brett Kern of the Tennessee Titans. Kern had a huge year. He was a big reason why the Titans were so good. He, that offense. I mean, Derrick Henry, really. I mean, yeah, maybe Ryan Tannehill. We'll throw in Ryan Tannehill, but like the, the offense isn't the Chiefs' offense. They don't score on every drive, and so when you're not scoring every drive, your punter becomes a weapon. And and Brett Kern placed 37 punts inside his opponent's 20 yard line. Uh, only two punters had more than 35, he was one of them. And if you're a punter, that is the gold standard. If you can pin someone inside their 20, because that's better than a touchback, uh, that's that's literally the best thing you can do because it makes your opponent's field long to score points. Uh, so Kern, probably Titans fans were not happy. He was another one that probably could have been ranked higher. If I did this over, I might have put him at three or two. But he's definitely easily a top five punter in the NFL. Number four, Andy Lee of the Cardinals. You know how bad the Cardinals have been for the past few years. Andy Lee gets so much action. The Andy guy, Lee acquired from the Panthers in a trade. Do they trade him? Am I wrong about that? Uh, he's been around forever. So I, I can't. He was with the Browns, and then the, no, the Panthers gave Dave Gettleman gave the Browns a fourth round pick for Andy Lee. Well, he's been in the NFL since 2004. So it's like he's one guy who can't keep his career. So he's been with the 49ers, the Browns, the Panthers, and the Cardinals. So he has been. Uh, getting some serious action, you know, even though straight for a fourth round pick. That's insane. Well, that's why you do it. He's number four, fourth best punter. Would you give a fourth round pick for the fourth best punter? No, but Dave Gettleman would. Well, Brinson, I would give up a fourth round pick for the fourth best being the fourth best at your position in the entire NFL. Um, but yeah, he's 37 years old and he's still banging out punts. He averaged 47.8 yards per punt, which was the second highest number in the NFL. Another guy who's on this list because he gets a ton of action and comes through is Tress Way of the Redskins. I think my favorite reaction was Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, somebody's like, is Tress Way a real name or are you just like fooling us to see if, to, you know, if we can actually name punters? Kind of Brinson's game here. Tress he's Way. Obviously a real, real person. Is it's a, a real name. person. Is definitely a real person. He averaged 49.6 yards per punt last year. That was the ninth highest single season total in NFL history. Uh, and also I talked wow. about inside the 20 being important for a punter. The other thing you want is high net yardage. Your yards per punt doesn't mean anything if you don't have a good net yardage because maybe your team's going to put a lot of return. Maybe you're out kicking your coverage. Uh, Tressway 44.1 net yards per punt, which ranked third in the NFL. Number two on the list, Brinson's boy, Johnny Hecker. And, you know, Hecker is the only person on this list who I, I didn't just consider as punting. I consider that this guy's an actual passer. weapon. Yeah. The Rams regularly use him for fake punts. The guy's completed more passes in the NFL career than Taysom Hill. Uh, so Johnny Hecker absolutely is not just a great punter. Um, he's for his career, he's averaged 47 yards per punt, which is the second highest career average in NFL history. Uh, he was seventh in the NFL in net yards last year, so he's had a solid career, and obviously he is a weapon. Number one on this list, Thomas Morstead of the Saints, who now follows Brinson on Twitter. That's right, and you, Thomas. Shout out to Thomas Morstead. So he, you ranked him first overall on the punter list, Then he followed you on Twitter, and I went out and followed him. He immediately followed me back. I like that idea that you can follow somebody and they get a notification that says you followed him. I, I, and I would like to point out that 
Morset wasn't already following me and I, I, I gave him some sort of special treatment because he was following me. This, that is not the case. This was, uh, looking at the numbers and Morstead came out as the best punter. He looked, he put nearly 50% of his punts inside his opponent's 20 yard line. We decided how, we talked about how important that is. He forced 21 fair catches. So that's good because your coverage team is taking out of the equation. And now fair catches are good if you have a high net average. Because if you have 60 fair catches, but your net average is only 35 yards, that's not good. You're just giving me short punts and the returner can't return it. Uh, Moore said a bunch of fair catches, but he had a net average of 43.1, which ranked fifth overall in the NFL last year. He has had a top 10 net punting average in the past nine years, and he's ranked in the top five in seven of the past nine years. So his net punting average has been top five in seven of the past nine years, including last year, and he is the third highest yards per punt in NFL history average, and that is 46.9. So Moore said has been crushing it. He does kick indoors, but that's not the same as field goals. There's, uh, kickers have a lot more to deal with. Punters, it's, you know, the weather is a factor, but unless it's major, unless there's 40 mile an hour winds, there's not a huge difference. Yeah. And I mean, that really speaks too to the Saints. Like, uh, you know, I think we sleep on, I mean, obviously we're, you know, special teams sort of comes in third place when you're talking about offense, defense, and special teams, but it's pretty clear. I mean, like the Saints have a very well-rounded roster. It's why, it's why the Saints have gone 13 and three the last two years. Like it's not just offense. It's not just Drew Brees. No, absolutely. JLC asked me who, uh, walking for asked me who I thought had the best kicker tandem because he, he, they thought Tucker and Cook should be number one, but I told them I thought that Will Lutz and Thomas Morstead would be number one, and the Tucker and Cook probably number two. But again, you're talking about two of the best teams. They understand two coaches who understand how important special teams are, and if you have one of the best punters and one of the best kickers, that puts you ahead of the game because, you know, there's going to be one or two games per season that come down to a field goal. There's going to be one or two games per season that come down to field position, and if you have a kicker who can make that field goal or a punter who can flip the field – all of a sudden, you're ahead of the game. And, and if the difference between uh, the number one seed and the number two seed is one game, maybe that game is something that your punter or kicker wins for you. And now that there's only one home field advantage, one seed gets that in each conference, you know, kickers and punters may be a lot more important in 2020. I love it. Great stuff, Breach. Uh hope everybody has a happy and safe and non-Jason Pierre-Paul-like July 4th. And if you're over 21, just, I'm already – if you're drinking, we're hammered fireworks. right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not we're yet wasted. As soon as I get off with Brinson, I have to drink just to like cope with talking to Brinson for an hour. So this <laughs> is going to be a crazy Fourth of July for me. Debo, Debo has developed a very bad drink. I- <laughs> Brinson, this is five a.m. that people are listening to this right now. So good for you. <laughs> is it? It could be if if they're up that early. I don't know, but anybody's getting up that early, Debo. Why would people be up at 5 a.m. on July 4th? I don't know. Some people, it's like you wake up early for Christmas. It's America's birthday. You open America's presents. You get up early. Are we releasing this on YouTube at the same time as the podcast or earlier? This will be also a July 4th treat on YouTube for our viewers and listeners. So, in other words, people are going to see me wearing this yellow shirt for like four straight days. Exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. Just It's right. a holiday weekend. We don't have to change. Yeah, but it's like it is like conceivable that I've been wearing this shirt for four straight days. I've, my wife actually made fun of me for wearing the same gray shirt for two straight days, so that's exciting. Uh, happy birthday, America! Everyone have a great July Fourth. Breach, thank you for your diligence in the kicker and punter special teams industry. 
There's no one better at it in, in the national NFL media. Talk to you soon.